Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hi, I'm Raj Punjabi, head of identity content at HuffPost. And I'm Noah Michelson, head of HuffPost Personal. Welcome to Am I Doing It Wrong, the show that explores the all-too-human anxieties we have about trying to get our lives right. Okay. Noah, we both know that a fulfilling career is one of the most important things in our life. You spend a lot of time doing it. Yes, for sure. And I think the most important way to get a great career popping off is to be good at interviewing. Are you good at interviews? I think I am because I love to be interviewed. Like I'm that sick person who likes to go to the doctor for his annual physical because he gets to talk about himself. You be bragging. They're like, you know, are you eating enough fiber? And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you my fiber notebook. Completely. Um, so I love interviews. And I think I'm good at them, but I don't know that I'm doing them right. Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm actually hitting all the points that I'm supposed to or that I'm preparing for. I don't really prepare for them. So I had this suspicion that actually even though I like them, I'm doing them all wrong. Yeah, I feel like I enjoy learning about you as well, but I feel like an interviewing <laughs> process is like different. I would be asking you different questions that are kind of tricky sometimes. And you have to hit different points. Like yeah. they're looking for you to respond in certain ways that show that you are yeah. going to be a valuable asset to their yeah, company. Yeah, it's a game and there's like a different power dynamic than getting your physical for sure. Yeah. So, thankfully, today we are talking to Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin, author, psychologist, and most important career coach. She's going to help you and I and everyone else figure out whether we are interviewing wrong and give us some advice on how we can be the best candidate ever. Fix me, doctor. Fix me. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Orbe Austin, thank you so much for being here to help us figure out how to be our best selves on our job interviews. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of interviewing, let's start with imposter syndrome because that's what you have helped a lot of people with. Um it is a specialty of yours in career coaching and you have helped people especially who are structurally marginalized feel more confident when they're interviewing for jobs. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly imposter syndrome is for those who don't know? Yes, uh so imposter syndrome is the experience when you are qualified, capable, competent, expert, have have qualifications yet you haven't internalized them. 
And as a, as a result of not internalizing them, you tend to feel like a fraud or that you're not truly competent when you make a mistake or have an error or even feel anxiousness. And so as a result of that, you can tend to feel like you are an imposter in certain situations and either overwork or self-sabotage in those moments to mm -hmm. deal with those feelings that come up. Um, so that's typically how it shows up um, in feelings of perfectionism and kind of overestimating others and underestimating yourselves, yeah. yourself and sort of feeling like you're not good enough in, in certain scenarios in which you are not perfect. Which is obviously a nightmare when you're going into a job interview because that's the last thing you want to be feeling. But I feel like most of us probably do feel that way. Yes. Um, one of the biggest triggers of, of imposter syndrome is performance anxiety. And probably nothing can be more kind of triggering for performance anxiety around work as an interview when you don't know the other people, what they're thinking about you, you're, you are being judged actively. Um, so it can really be a very triggering moment for imposter syndrome. I, I totally get that. Even if you're a generally confident person, which mm -hmm. I feel like I am, right. once you get in that scenario, it's it's so terrifying. Well, also, especially because you don't know, not only do you not know if you're good enough, right, but you also don't know what they're going to ask you. Yeah. And so it's sort of this dual pronged um, nightmare where it's you're a like, Thunderdome. Yeah. it completely is like, what's going to get thrown at me? Yeah. Will I be able to answer it? Even if I know the answer, am I going to be too nervous or too stressed out to do it? Okay, so say we are now aware that imposter syndrome plays a part in interviewing. Um, Dr. Orbe Austin, what do you suggest? How do you advise people who are going through something like this? Yeah, so I think one of, one of the things we talk about with imposter syndrome and how to recover from it is understanding your triggers. So if, an, if interviewing, and likely it probably is if you have imposter syndrome, is one of those moments in which you are triggered, it's really sort of recognizing that the particular methodology that you go through when you when you go through an interview. So do you get triggered? Are you super anxious? Do you act like not yourself? What are the, the things that are happening that, that you don't like? And to try to be able to interrupt that cycle, to do mm -hmm. something different in the process. So for example, one of the things that we see when we, when we deal with imposter syndrome and interviewing is that people don't prepare. They don't want to prepare because even preparation can make them anxious. And so they avoid it till the very last minute. And so as a result, it's, it's usually going to be worse if you don't prepare <laughs> because like, Things are going to come at you and you're just not going to have a prepared answer or a thought or, or a scenario. And so you're going to be going off the cuff. It's going to feel a lot more anxiety provoking and it's, you're potentially going to make some errors, um, which are just going to reinforce you don't belong there. And so we try to help people then think about what is the preparation process? How do we build up to that point by the, so that by the time you have the interview, you know, some things are going to are going to happen that are going to be unexpected, but a lot of them are going to be expected because you're prepared for them. And when you're prepared, you're just in a lot better place to not make these kinds of like anxious related anxiety related errors. I didn't realize that not wanting to practice beforehand was related to anxiety, but it's so true. Like it really even is. the thought of being in that interview the next day is like, oh, I don't even want to approach that in my head. I also do this thing too, not just with interviews, but with everything in pr like procrastination, where I think if I don't prepare that and I don't get the job or I don't get whatever I want, it's not because I'm not good enough. It's because I just didn't do well enough. Yeah. And so I almost like set myself up to fail. Yeah, self-sabo. But you're absolutely right, doctor. Like when you do prepare, you go into it feeling so much better. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it does reduce the anxiety. And so that's what you're trying to do when you feel that kind of performance anxiety is work on an anxiety reduction techniques so that you don't just let it kind of explode on you. Yeah, also during interviews, now that you're saying that, like I have said the weirdest things that are so unlike me during job interviews just because I'm nervous. It's right. so embarrassing. Yeah. Like the cheesy jokes are like pronouncing a really common word wrong. And you're right. like, how did this 
happen to me. Because you're a human being. Yeah. But I think we should, like, now that we've tackled imposter syndrome, we could do an entire episode about this. Mm -hmm. But before we even get to the interview, there's that whole space where you're sort of setting it up and and you're emailing back and forth with your potential employer. What are some things that we should be thinking about even then? I think I have this tendency to be too familiar with people, (laughs) even over email. You know what I mean? I'm assuming that's a bad idea, but what do you think, uh, Dr. Orbe Austin? What should we be doing even right from the start when we're interacting with our interviewer? Yeah, so I think one of the things to, to I think, start the conversation off with is the fact that interviews are the worst way to select candidates. Mm. And so we have known this from the research for a long time, that they are, they're truly the worst because they enter into bias and there are other components that occur that have nothing to do with the qualifications of the person. So typically with an interview, you're not necessarily looking for the best person for the job. Um, you are looking for the person who you're most comfortable with, who fits the environment, Damn. who you you feel like is going to be a good fit for your group or for your team. And so I do think it's a really important thing to recognize um, as you're going into an interview that because a lot of people are worried about kind of making sure that their competencies and, and their qualifications are really highlighted. But and they're forgetting the human element of it, which is really the central component of interviewing is the human element of it and building a relationship and a connection with that person. So they are going to root for you when they have to argue that you're the best person for the job. Um, so I do think uh, as you kind of have those initial kind of conversations, it is kind of letting them lead, trying to figure out sort of like how they like to connect. Do not lead with the style that you have a preference for. Lead the style with the style they have a preference for. Sort of be very conscious of the fact that they're that they're looking for unconsciously or consciously connection, and you're trying to to show them that you can connect with them and their team and the team members and everyone else. So I do think it's really important to watch and be very conscious of the way that they're leading and responding in kind. It's kind of like mirroring, right? When you're on like a first date and you kind of want to create a connection. Yes, it yeah. is. It Human is a first date. Yeah. Sometimes not that complicated to figure out. But <laughs> yes, one one of the one of those things is right, sort of making people feel comfortable and mirroring them because in essence they're holding the power to decide whether you get that opportunity to go further. And so you really want them to feel comfortable doing so. So yes, the mirroring piece. Not so obviously, but you you definitely want to have it in the back of your head. Okay. And one really technical thing that I wanted to ask, you know, sometimes they give you the option of some time slots, whether it's in Zoom or in person for an interview. Do we want to choose something earlier in the day, later? Is there an optimal time when people are just like, better at interviewing and being interviewed? <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's you don't want to get into the Goldilocks scenario and sort of feel like there's never, nothing is ever good enough because you can, you can read a lot of articles and they're like, not this time, not at that time, not before lunch, not after lunch. And it just feels like there's no opportunity that's ever good enough. I think it's, you want to be careful not toward the very beginning of the day and not toward the very end of the day for yeah. different reasons. The beginning of the day, people are just getting settled in. They're sort of sometimes frazzled. Things can happen in their commute. They kind of put them in a weird space. You really want them to be a little settled into their day. The end of the day, people are tired. They want to go home. They just want this to be over. So you want to avoid those periods. Other than that, I think, you know, generally the middle between that is fine. Generally, you never know when someone's going to take lunch. So you can't do it after. Yeah, I wouldn't get into no, that. That's sleepy time right after lunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. and You just never know when someone's going to do it. So you can't sort of predict that. It seems like more and more, too, people are offering Zoom interviews. Yeah. Um versus in person or they're giving you the option, I would think always choose in person. I love Because in you have the body language and, and all that. But do you think that there's a, a better one to choose or does it just really matter the connection? 
I think you're right. I think if you can choose in person to do in person, the reason why is you get more time with them. They're going to walk you into the room. They're going to yeah. have a conversation with before. They're going to take you out of the room. There's more sort of opportunity to kind of connect with them over all kinds of things like that you wouldn't have the opportunity for just with seeing a talking head. And so I do That's think true. it's important to kind of have that kind of connection. Look, in some cases, you just really can't do it. You can't fly in or whatever the situation might be. But if you have the opportunity, do it. Yeah, that's great. It's more pressure, but I feel like it's definitely a chance to like show more of your personality. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. um, this one I feel like is important to me. I think about it every time I'm doing an interview. I know it depends on the job, but what should we be wearing? Yeah, like how much <laughs> of our personality should we show in our? Because you know, I like I like expressing my personality in my outfits every day, but you know, sometimes that might uh, have to change. I think you want to think about sort of what is the culture of the environment you're typically in. So I think that, you know, in, in trad finance and traditional finance, you're not going to be able to kind of show too much of your personality in a lot of ways. But in other places that are creative, have communications involved, media, like there might be opportunities to be more creative, to be more of yourself in that way. It's really knowing the culture of your industry, your environment, the company that you're headed toward, and to do your investigations in that area. Typically, I would say, though, overall, people are dressing a lot more casually than they once did, yeah. a lot more business casually than they did in an interview. That was always never the, that was never the case in the day. It was always everyone in in, in a suit, some and women in skirt suits. This really horrible kind oh, of like God, not a skirt ideas. suit. <laughs> yeah. But I think today, much more generally skewed toward more casual, but do your investigation so that you're yeah. not sort of feeling like a, like you're sticking out like a sore thumb. You know, Read the Room, I think, is a big one. My very first interview was for an internship at Vibe magazine. Mm. And I showed up in a skirt suit because I was like 20 <laughs> years old. And I was like, ah, first job. And my interviewer, uh, shout out to Jason Rodriguez, was wearing a white tee and jeans. Yeah. I was like, God damn it. This is a hip hop magazine. What was I thinking? Like yeah, same with me when I interviewed at HuffPost, actually, I knew someone in the newsroom. So I had a little bit of an insider, you know, info. And I said, do I want to hide my tattoos? Mm. Or is that going to be a good thing? And they were like, no, show your tattoos, yeah. because that'll make you stand out. Ariana Huffington will actually really like them. You'd have to wear like a full hazmat suit to hide your tattoos. That is true. But yeah, <laughs> I could, you know, like opera gloves and like, yeah. But, um, but no, I think you're, I think that's good advice. Like sort of know in general, yeah. know the business or the company that you're going into and try and show up in a way that's going to make you fit in. Yeah. So we were talking a little earlier about preparing. What is the best way to prepare for a job interview? Um, yeah. How should we start? What should we be thinking about? And what is like the nuts and bolts of actually doing preparation? Yeah, what are we doing the night before, two days before? Yeah, I hope you're not studying the night before. Um, <laughs> I'm a big believer in essence, you got to start early. Oh, um, no. Have that interview, you want to get started prepping because otherwise, in, in, there's so many different things that we know about cognition and and memory and the night before when you're anxious and, and how that can be a really difficult time sometimes to hold on to things. Um, and sometimes it's, it's good solidifying information, but it has to be embedded for a, a while. So we want you to kind of start as soon as you get that interview with with actually going through common interview questions, which you can Google and find anywhere and actually write them down, write your answers down because you wanna use every mode of sensory opportunity that you have. So writing, listening to yourself speak it, speaking it to someone else and seeing them respond to you. 
give yourself every chance to go over those questions in every modality. So writing them out first, then actually saying them to yourself in a mirror and saying them to someone else. The more prep you do, the better you're going to be at this. And, and I tell my clients to answer every question, like do 50, like do a significant mm. amount of questions because the, you, you may not get asked that direct question, but you'll be able to have a piece of information you can use for another question. The ones that I think that are most important to prep are behavioral interview questions. Please mm. prep those. Um, and those are the questions where they ask you, tell me a situation when, give me a scenario when. And if you do it off the cuff, you're likely to run into trouble. Um, and they can tell a, a, an interviewer a lot about how you perform in certain situations. There's a typical methodology which we use to kind of answer these questions, which is called the PAR method the problem, so the specific problem that was at hand. So they tell me, tell me a conflict, tell me a time you had a conflict with your boss. What was the situation, right? What was the problem that you had? What is the action that you took directly to kind of handle that situation? You, not you and a bunch of other people. It has to be you because they want to see you actually deal with this. And then the result, it's usually one that went positively. So we want to hear a positive result from the action that you took. So if you don't prepare that, you often get off telling these narratives and stories and go down lines that can get you into trouble, the revealing things that you don't necessarily want revealed. So I do think it's really important to prep, especially behavioral questions. You also want to prep a set of questions to ask them. I want to say somewhere in the range of yeah. three to five, um, but it can be more than that in case they answer them along the way. And they should sort of elicit this idea that this is a, this is a dyadic process. It's you and me yeah. here, not just you interviewing me. Here's all the things I want to know. We're Here's interviewing each other. Yeah. About it. And the last thing I would say, too, is that do your homework. Always be ask other people who've interviewed there. Read Glassdoor. Talk to you know people inside already. Ask them what they were asked. Ask them what they like about the organization. Ask them, you know, do your due diligence. Do not do this in isolation. It is incredibly important to do this with community around you. It also helps to have advocates on the inside. Mm. Ooh, I have been doing this all wrong. I definitely <laughs> have prepped the night before and thought I was big shit because I prepped the night before. Completely like, too. And you know what else I've done when I'm prepping too is that I've just prepped generally. Like I think yeah. you're right, doctor. Like knowing the behavioral questions, things like that. But it also is really important too to actually research the company right yeah. because then you you show in the interview that you've taken the time and that you really know this company and why you want to be a part you're of invested. it right yeah that is that is really really true and um you do want to f you you want the interviewer to know that you're not doing the same spiel for every interview you're going on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Another topic that you tackle a lot, uh, besides imposter syndrome, is helping introverts in these situations. <laughs> I cannot relate to this at all because I'm a giant <laughs> ham, but I have a lot of friends that are introverts. My two best friends, um, I don't want to, they work in a wonderful company, but they have these fantastic jobs and they've both told me that they struggle so much during interviews because they don't like talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. Can you give, give some advice to the introverts out there for for a successful job interview? Yeah, I think the first thing I, I remind introverts is that, you know, typically just be, it doesn't mean that they're not good with everyone. They're typically not good in large situations because yeah. um, they feel really anxious and it takes a lot of energy from them. Um, but they're really good one-on-one. -on -one. And so this is where they shine. Mm, and yeah. so they have to remember that you are really good and just Im imagine there's a one-on-one -on -one conversation with another human being, not this person evaluating you, but being very thoughtful about, I'm really good usually by myself with some, with one other person. And so really kind of relying on that skill and strength that you have. And the other thing I typically tell introverts is like, it's exhausting for you to interview because it takes a lot out of you. 
So you have to be very thoughtful about your self-care, especially immediately preceding and immediately after the interview. What are you doing to take care of yourself to make sure you're filling your tank again? Because this stuff is really exhausting for you and you can run out of steam. Um, so it's really important for them to take care of themselves and really recognize they actually are really good one-to-one. It's really more the larger audiences they have to kind of prep for. Just to follow up on that, for the self-care before and after, might that look like not talking to anyone else, like having a little quiet time before? Because my, my yeah. friends have been like, I'm I need, I'm depleted. I need an hour to just stare at the wall. Yeah, to kind of find that their space to be alone and by themselves, knowing that they're going to be headed into an environment in which they will not be by themselves and have to really talk about themselves consistently. And and I think that question around sort of talking about yourself consistently is, is a really important one. I think a lot of people feel, I don't want to brag. I don't want to, you know, like BS, yeah. you know, my way through this. And I think because people have, have trouble internalizing the actual things they did. And it is so impor- important to really kind of quantify and talk about your accomplishments, the things that you've done, the value that you've added, but doing it ahead of time and practicing that skill in yeah. front of people. It shouldn't be the first time in front of an interviewer because it feels very terrifying doing it for the first time in front of them. It should be practicing it beforehand so that it doesn't feel false or untrue. I think a lot of people often feel like they're going to be questioned for their accomplishments. Well, tell me exactly how you did that. And and rarely is that the case. And yeah. if they are, they're just more, more curious about how you went about it. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of get used to and more comfortable saying the things that you've done and the accomplishments that you have, you know, that are yours. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point, too, because I think a lot of times we think of a job interview still as like, we're going into it and they're going to try and trick us, right? Yeah. And yeah. That, that they're looking to trip us up somehow. And, and it's not like they just want to know who we are and what we've done. Yeah. And if we're going to be a good fit for their company. I mean, we're there at the interview because we already seem like a good fit. Exactly. So just kind of exactly. everyone's hopeful in this room. Right. Yeah. You need like the, the post-it notes on your mirror that say these things just yeah. to remind yourself. Like I love me an affirmation. Me too. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, like as corny as people might think ball, they are yeah. now, I think that they actually work. And, so and this idea of the more you say them, the more it's sort of, you have that pathway in your head that believes it. Yeah. What about that first 90 seconds in the interview when they say, um, you know, tell me a little bit about, oh, your, God. tell me tell about me yourself. yourself. <laughs> I mean, I've read, I've read somewhere that actually the first 30 seconds is when they make their decision about you. It's before you even start talking. It's the little small talk, all those things. How can we prep ourselves so that we're making the best impression right at the top? I have to say that I, I, I hope that's not the case because I always get nervous and make a joke. I always do like, I'm a Scorpio who likes long walks on the beach. Like, Uh it's such a weird question. I have to break the ice. Like, it's, but yes, please, Dr. Orby Austin, tell us the right way to do it. Um, I don't know if there's a right way, but I definitely think, I hope they're not making the decision the first, you know, 10 to 30 seconds because it means that decision is completely full of bias. Yeah. Um, And so I I think that that is important. If people who get into the habit of of this interviewer saying, oh, I know immediately, you should be checking yourself because you got blind spots. Um, and so I yeah. do think it's really important to, to like allow yourself. And this is one of those things that you want to prep ahead of time because they tell me about yourself or, or walk me through your resume or think questions that are those entree questions just typically get answered pretty commonly or get asked pretty commonly. So it's important to kind of have a, a, a kind of preparation for that. And I think, you know, back to what we were talking about, about talking about what your skills and, and qualifications and, and who you are and what the little bit of your, like a snapshot, two minute snapshot of who you are history wise and how that connects to the job and why you want the job. So I do think it's really important to make that connection between who you are, what you've done, and then why, you, why you're here. Um, I think that's a really important thing to kind of like 
like hit from the beginning is like like you said i'm not just like doing this doing this road road show everywhere this is something specifically i want to be here and this is why i want to be here and this is why these things have come together you know, I, with my background and what you want i think that's really smart too because i think a lot of times we just end up sort of regurgitating our resume yeah. which they already have in front of them they've already read that and so if you get an opportunity to talk about yourself like yes talk about some of the things you've done on that resume but i love the idea of connecting that to why you're there yeah. and making that connection really strong and letting them know right from the beginning, like, this is why I'm here. This is why I think- This is the journey that led me here. Yeah, and this is why I think I'd be a good fit for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What about, I, I feel like interviewers, employers, potential employers sometimes still ask that, um, what's your greatest weakness question? Oh, which worst. is like, it really should be illegal. It's such a cheese ball <laughs> question. And also I'm imagining, I mean, I would love to hear what you think about that, but also I think the response always is like, well, I work too hard. There's too much on my plate. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I just, give too much. So how should we tackle that if we do get that question? I'm going to start being honest and be like, I play with my cat every five minutes when I'm working. <laughs> from home. Yeah, I think like, you know, that's, we, we used to advise for that, that actual response to the weakness question, which is like strength guised as a weakness, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're hearing is like, I'm a hard worker. I'm a type A. I'm, per I'm perfectionistic. Um, I think it's really nowadays people don't really want to hear that they really want to hear something honest so you really want to talk about something that is a weakness probably not your greatest weekend weakness but some real legitimate weakness that you're working on and showing them how you're working on it yeah so what are you doing to actually work on it because this idea that you're a perfect human being no one believes that that's not a real thing they really do want to know what do you struggle with and then how are you working on it and how have you been again to see some like resolution to some of the things that you're working on and so that's what you really want to do is give them something then talk about how you're do dealing with it and then and then show them how it's actually started to work okay i think we should we should do th that right now okay so raj if, practice? If, yeah okay. if i was interviewing you and i said what is your greatest weakness so what would you respond oh with? shit okay <clears throat> now after hearing this yeah I would say that um, at many roles I've had, I felt that what is the Zoom meeting culture now can sometimes be a little overwhelming. So I feel like if there are too many Zoom meetings or like too many meetings in a row, I can find I find it sometimes hard to balance my day-to-day -day duties with all of that, and that I'm working on uh, sp spacing them out so that I can have more balance. Does that sound like something that's like not terrible, yeah. but it's a real yeah. weakness of mine? I think that's great. That's great. Okay. Yeah, and, and nice done, nicely done on the spot. Yeah, Thank uh, you. I love that. I was clearly already thinking about you it. You get the job. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Can't knock the hustle. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. Raj, I've got a question that I've been asking myself a lot recently. Tell me. Am I investing wrong? Ooh, I see what you did there. But I'm sincerely asking because look, I have investments. I have an account here, a 401k there. 
and I'm really lucky I don't have any crushing debt. But until recently, I haven't had the confidence that I've been doing it right. I know what you mean. We all want to make sure we're making good financial decisions, not just doing whatever Susie Orman told us to do 10 years ago. (laughs) Exactly. But that's why I've been using Yahoo Finance. Tell me more about it. Well, with Yahoo Finance, I've been able to consolidate all of my accounts into one place. And I got to tell you something. It's been so much easier. Okay, Yahoo Finance. It's giving nostalgia. Absolutely. You know, I found Yahoo Finance to be incredibly helpful for tracking everything I need with all of my money. And as you probably know at this point, I'm quite wealthy. I know, spiritually and literally. I am not a wealthy one percenter yet. So would the service be good for me still? Oh, 100%. Yahoo Finance is good for everyone, from the very seasoned investor or just a normie like you who's looking for a little extra guidance. It gives you all the tools and info you need. So if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like Yahoo Finance will give me a holistic look at the financial news cycle, original editorial perspectives, and so much more. That's exactly right. And let's just say Yahoo Finance is going to be the perfect place to link all your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. Hell yeah. I cannot wait to make it rain with the help of Yahoo Finance. (laughs) So for comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. Yahoofinance.com. Once again, that's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Am I Doing It Wrong? Okay, that makes a lot of sense because that felt very human and it felt like even if I was the employer and I heard that, I would be like, I'm going to help this person because they're being really honest with me and they're clearly invested in their job. Yeah, and and that wasn't like a scary thing to hear either. You know what I mean? Like I feel like they were like, we can work around this. We would still want to hire her. Yeah. And this is something that's not good for our culture either. Right. right? So that everyone's like, and so I do think like it's, it gives you a little access to vulnerability in the person, which I think if honestly done, people really feel a sense of connection across that vulnerability. So it is actually the weakness question is an opportunity to connect. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. What about the other scary question? Why are you leaving your current job? Yeah. Like, (laughs) can you talk shit about the company you're you're at? No, you cannot. (laughs) (laughs) You can generally not do that. Because in essence, what they're doing is they're interpreting whatever you say as something you'll eventually say about them. Uh, Good point. Like, you know, it's like when you talk about exes on a date and everyone's like, oh, well, that's going to be me someday. That's a red flag Um, when you're like, someone's like, my ex is crazy. I'm like, is your ex crazy? Or just like, (laughs) yeah. Okay, but let's say you really are in a super toxic environment and that's why you're getting out is there a way to say that or should you just lie and say oh, i'm looking for a new opportunity or something like that that's a good question i just think that you know industries can be really small and you never know who you're you're talking shit about like mm-hmm. it could be somebody else's friend or colleague or you know somebody True. they went to grad school with so i, I think it's very important time to, to try not to um you know in, in i would i this is my advice as a professional but i have done it I have actually um, been in situations where I've had to admit that I was in a toxic environment um, because I got sort of pushed into the answering it mm. um, because they knew my previous environment. And so they were asking, so why did you leave? And, you know, and, and, and wait, you were only there six months. And there was a lot of questions that got yeah. and I ended up having to say, here, look, this is what's really going on. I took a risk, but it was a risk on my part. And I was clear that I was taking a risk to tell them the truth. Um, that truth actually ended up helping me because 
um, the person actually knew them and knew they were toxic and, and wanted to, you know, support me in my own process. Mm. But, um, but I, but I definitely, generally it's, it's dangerous. And so I knew it when I opened my mouth and said the things I was like, I knew it was dangerous, but I had to, at that point I felt boxed into a corner and I felt like I had to say something. I mean, that sounds very blessed and lucky, but I hear what you're saying about being really careful. What about um, saying something like, I've grown out of that role, or Mm -hmm. um, this role feels like it's... Because sometimes the the role you're interviewing for is just a better fit for where you are in life now. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you've grown out, you're looking for a new opportunity, you're really excited about this company for X, Y, and Z reason. You know, I think keep it more on sort of like the future of your career and not on the past and what's happened in the past. Um, because I think it, it just is, you know, chances are, you know, someone knows somebody and it becomes, you know, an issue for you. It's, it, there's, it's there, that the chance is there. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here's another scary one. When they want to talk salary, which I think doesn't always happen in the, in the first mm-hmm. interview. And I don't want it to, no. like, I, that's not what, what I want to talk about in that first interview. I want to talk about myself and the company. Yeah. But if they do bring it up, number one. Can you lie about what you're making? Oof. <laughs> Should you lie about what you're making? Like, I've heard people just say, yeah, just tell them what you're making, what you want to be making, basically. This is so tricky. I know. I, I well, also, in New York, yeah. they can't ask. Yeah, it's, it's illegal, illegal to ask. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Um, yeah. But even if they ask you what you're, what you're looking like for. Like your range. I don't like to say a number during yeah. the first interview because I need to really know all of the information. Yeah. But please yeah. advise us. Yeah. So in some states, it's actually illegal to ask your previous. And I, there are a couple states that do that. So I would check your local state laws and now you have to just Google it um, to see if they can ask you in your state. Um, and and what, what I'm seeing more often than not is people asking for a range, even with the job application. So you have to provide some kind of range because yeah. they want to know if you're out of range. Right. If you're out of range, you're not going to get an opportunity to interview because they just can't afford you or whatever the situation might be. And so I do think it's important to do your, if you're asked for a range in the very beginning, to do your, don't leave it blank because you're not going to move on. Um, but to actually do your homework and, you know, talk to people within the organization. There are all kinds of really interesting websites that provide data on different bands within companies and what they're actually at. Um, and so I think there's, do your homework and do your due diligence. So you give them a legitimate range. Make sure that that bottom of the range is something you would also take. Um, because they will bring it back to that. Yeah. They will say, you said that you would take, you know, and now we're offering this and you're giving us a hard time. Mm. So I do think it's important to understand that you can actually take that range um, when you then apply so that that, you know, that that doesn't feel, but don't give them a hard number, give them a range. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. That seems legit for you. We talked a little bit earlier about the questions you should be asking um, your potential employer during the interview. I know this can vary, again, depending on the job, but what kinds of questions should we be asking? Because that's hard for me, too. Because most of like a lot of the stuff about the company you can Google. So I I tend to ask about like work culture and that kind of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. do you have any like what should we be asking? Like what snacks do you have in the kitchen? That's important to me, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, work culture questions can be really interesting. I think also to my, my favorite question is probably like, what characteristic, um, what characteristics do the people who succeed in this role have? Mm. Um, what do they tend to exhibit? Um, you can ask about sort of opportunities for growth within. You can ask about sort of professional development opportunities. You can ask for, you know, what's their style around leadership? How do they tend to lead? You can oh, ask all that. kinds of really interesting questions. I think it should be, 
it should be questions you really want you want to know the answers to it should feel like a conversation i think it's really important and i've seen this happen before but not to turn that interview process into it like now i'm interviewing you yeah. mm. um you really want it to be much more soft than that much more engaging okay, that's good to know okay you don't want an interviewer to feel under the microscope or attacked you don't want to ask them things like what is the worst thing you've ever experienced here or what don't you like about being here um, because that will make them feel on their heels. You want to think very thoughtfully about things they want to talk about, that things that will be helpful for you to learn about the organization. You can find out that other stuff on your own. Yeah, that makes sense. I read Barbara Corcoran, who is on Shark Tank, you know, and like, I love her. Yeah, the head of the Corcoran uh, real estate Dynasty. empire. She recently said that the, the number one question you should ask is, is there anything standing in the way of you hiring me? Ooh. Which feels a little confrontational to me, <laughs> and I would be a little scared to ask that. But that's a bad bitch, though. I <laughs> completely. How do you how do you feel about that question? Yeah, I think I've seen it done before, and I think it can be done effectively. But again, you want to make sure that it's non-confrontational, right? Um, so you want to be able to ask: Is do you have any hesitations about you know me taking on this role? And if so, I would love to discuss you know any of the objections that you may have. And so you allow them, but you've got to be ready to handle any objections, and you've got to probably know them potentially in advance. Um, so for example, you might be junior and they might be asking you, well, you know, I've got a lot of other senior candidates who've actually done this work before mm -hmm. and you sort of would be brand new to this. How can you compete with somebody? And you've got to be able to have a really solid answer to that. Hell yeah. Because if you're going to ask them to challenge, you know, to challenge their objection, object, objections, you've got to do so really well. Mm -hmm. um, and so you've got to be able to know how to handle um, things that might actually hurt when you hear them. Um, and be able to come at them in a way that really does, you know, show them that, you know, you, you would be the best candidate. So you want to be, yeah. pre be prepared for what those objections might be. That's, that's a really good answer, too. Uh, and I do like that question. I think what Dr. Orbe Austin is saying about um, verbiage and how we word things is so important. That's yeah. true. Because you can ask the questions you want to ask. You just don't want to come across like interrogator. Yeah. All right. So, you know, we're going to get all kinds of questions during interviews, some of them that we don't anticipate. What if you actually can't figure out how to answer one of these questions? What should you say? Should you bullshit, um, schmooze through, or should you just admit that you don't, don't exactly know how to answer this? So I think that question's really really good. And I think it has multiple kind of aspects to it that I think I want to tackle. One of them is that you might be getting a, a question that's like a brain teaser, like, especially in some particular areas of like, finance and tech, brain teasers yeah. are really common. And you might not know the actual answer. They might ask you like, how many potholes are there in New York City? And you might think, oh, there's a particular answer. The idea is that they actually want to see you work through how you would try to solve for that problem. Oh, man. They want, they want you to actually try out loud to, to show them. Sometimes they, they'll actually do, ask you to do it on a whiteboard. So you, you should not say, no, I don't know what the answer is to that one. You should actually try and show them sort of what, how you would go about trying to figure that out. I literally, um, so, before you go okay. on, I just want to say I literally have a cold sweat. And just the idea of someone <laughs> saying that to me, I feel like I would just be like, oh, you know what? This this job isn't for me. <laughs> Deuces. So this is like, out. I'm listening so closely to what you're saying because I need to know how to do this. That's yeah. complicated. Yeah. I've heard it a number of times. Like I heard a number of bakeries. Like, so, you know, I think it's really thinking about sort of how you saw, think about, okay, how many bakeries are there per square, you know, mile? Right. And you know, how many square miles are there in New York City? You know, so you would do something like that, or do you just kind of try to figure out a formula for how do you solve for that problem? Mm -hmm. You're not going to get to the answer. Yeah. The idea is they want to see the methodology of problem solving. Like you the have a plan. Is, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Also case study interviews. Case study interviews have, have are are very common in places. You don't want to say, no, I don't know under I don't know that case. I don't know. You really actually want to try to solve that. You want to prep for case study interviews in advance. And there are many materials you can get to prep for a case study. But don't don't uh, those are not interviews you want to do, you know, cold. You want to make sure that you're doing kind of prep for those kinds of things if they exist in your in industry. Now, if you get a question and you just don't really know the answer to it, I think you can say, wow, that's a really great question. And I don't think I know exactly the answer to that. But here's what I, I would think, right? Mm. And give them some kind of version of what you think about the situation or the scenario without sort of saying the answer. But, you know, if there's an opportunity for you to show your thinking or show your interest in something in particular, you can do that, you know? But don't lie. Um, okay. You yeah. can get caught out there. <laughs> yeah. And also, I get now that just maybe saying, like, I just don't know might bring, it might make you look like a quitter or or some or someone that doesn't, you know, try to invest in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a go. What if you fuck up a question? Mm-hmm. And either in the moment and you know you fucked it up or afterwards, is it ever appropriate to address that or you just keep your poker face on and just keep moving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think you can, especially if you feel like it's a gigantic, you know, fuck up, like, I think it's worth kind of going in there and kind of responding back. And here's how you typically do it. In the thank you note, when you're writing the thank you note back to them, then you can sort of say, and that in this question, I feel like I didn't answer it completely, or I didn't answer it in the way that I would want to. This is this is my actual response that mm-hmm. I would like to share with you at this moment. They'll take it or they won't. Be careful not to feel like you need to, cor- like, do that for one question. Do not okay. then say, oh, but and this one and this Don't one. Don't redo the whole interview. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to, if it's one particular one, you feel like I really let let go, let that one go. Mm-hmm. Um, then go go back and do it in the thank you note and respond after you thank them. Then say I, there was one piece I missed, but um, don't overdo it. Okay, talking about the thank you note. Yeah. What should you know? Say we we aren't gonna walk anything back, and it's just like you want to send a great thank you note. How, what does that look like in 2023? And does it need to be an actual paper? With a stamp on it. I haven't seen paper since like 1986. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me. No. I mean, I remember hearing when I was just training very very early on, people would be like, you have to walk the note up to the floor of the before (laughs) 9-11. You know, that you could walk up the floor directly up to the hiring manager. No, none of these things are necessary anymore. No handwritten notes, no special stationery. Typically, it's an email um, to their email address, just thanking them for the, and you make sure that you get their contact if they're open to giving it. Some of them don't want to be contacted. They'll say, don't send me a thank you note and don't do it. Um, if you've been told no, don't do it. Um, it's, they're not kind of, they're not trying to be coy. They really don't want it. Yeah. Um, and so, but if they, if they're, if they give you their email, send them a nice thank you note. You want to thank them for the interview. You want to point to specific things that, you know, were exciting for you or things that you want to highlight. You want to, and you want to make sure it's personalized to the interview. I love a thank you note. I mean, I've interviewed people myself for, mm-hmm. for jobs here at HuffPost and, and that does make a big impression on me if it someone does. sends one. Especially if it's personalized. Yeah. If like, it mentions something that we like laughed about together or whatever. I do like that too. Cause no, you're right. I haven't thought about this. Interviews are essentially just chances to create human connection, mm-hmm. whether yes. you know we see that or not. It's really funny. When I interviewed for my first job at Out Magazine, um, I was like 29 years old and it was for an unpaid internship, but I was still scared. I really wanted the job. Of course, those are the scariest ones. And I, I got it and I became good friends with, with the person who interviewed me. And years later, he told me the reason that he hired me. I mean, I had I had a really great resume, you know, and I, I showed I really wanted to be there. But he said, I remember we talked about Kate Bush and her new album coming out. 
And the fact that you knew this information about her really showed me that you were like sort of up on current events and on music and that was going to be important. And so sometimes I think it really is like just connecting with the person and these little tiny things that you might not think it were important. I mean, I that wasn't what I was thinking about when I left the interview that we yeah. had had this moment about Kate Bush, but that's what he was thinking about. And so I think that really showed me that, yeah, you want to connect with the person that you're sitting across from. Yeah. Kate Bush saves yep. lives. Yeah. For sure. No, that's true. I, I I agree. Whether I'm the interviewer or the interviewee, there are like moments where you're like, you know what? This feels organic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very Connection, cool. similarity, feeling a sense of like the person actually gets the job, wants the job, is committed to the work. And yeah, that's what you're looking for. It's so in the that's culture. What you're trying to show. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to do the prep and to, to work on the, the anxiety and relaxation so you can bring your true self to that moment. Because, you know, if you're feeling super anxious, you might not have talked about Kate Bush. You'd be like, I don't know. Yeah, what, I right. don't know what he thinks about Kate Bush. So I don't, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Um, but I think you were so calm and relaxed. You started talking about things that you love and things you connected to. And it, it kind of brought that out to the, the front forefront. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the things that we worry about when we're in an interview. But what about as the interviewee, if we see a red flag, what should we do? And what are some of those red flags that we should be looking out for when we're in the interview? Yeah, so I would say to take every red flag that you see seriously, to not dismiss it. Um, and I would jot them down after the interview. What did you see that you were disturbed by? So things like um, people sort of being very dismissive um, and sort of not paying attention during the interview, walking out, sort of being aggressive to you in the interview process that makes you feel uncomfortable. Like be very conscious of how you're experiencing the interview, what you're feeling, what what's happening for you. And do not dismiss. We all, I often see this as an executive coach. People will blow it off. Well, I'm sure they were busy. I'm sure they didn't. They had a lot of other interviews, but they're having some particular thing pinging inside of them. And then eventually they get the job and they're there. And the thing actually then becomes a monster of a thing. Mm. And so I think it's so important to and what you can do with it is you can then go investigate. The, the red flags with the people internal to that organization. So say, you know, you could say, so in the interview, I noticed that the interviewer was really distracted, seemed really busy. Is this sort of common for her? Do you know if this is sort of the way that she typically operates in meetings? Is she kind of distracted? Is she all over the place? You know, what what is your assessment of that? Mm. Um, so to get a sense of whether they are real red flags or an accident, but as soon as it looks, she's always busy. She's always pulled a million different places. Like I'm, you know, it's hard to track her down. Now you, you know this is a fact and now you know is this somebody i want to work with that i can never get a hold of or mm-hmm. is this you know so so do your due diligence see it as things that you kernels you have to investigate deeper in other in other formats and other arenas and other areas so yeah it's kind of like believe who people are when they show you the first time kind of <laughs> right. thing yes. yeah yes yes Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin, thank you so much again for being here. And we are going to be so much better at every interview. I mean, I hope we never have to do one again because we love it here. Hey, hey. Just but, in you case. Know, just in case. <laughs> thank you so much for being here and for advising all of us. You're so welcome. It's been my pleasure. Okay. It's that time. It's better in five. This is when we wrap up everything we just learned and deliver it to you in a neat little package. All right, number one, start prepping for your interview the moment you book it, not the night before like I like to do it, because the more you prepare, the more calm you'll be and more confident. Number two, whether you're communicating with your interviewer before you have the interview or you're deciding what to wear or whether or not you should show off your tattoos, take your cues from the company culture. Mirroring them could mean the difference between getting that job or not. Truth. All right, number three, 
It can be very tempting, but do not talk shit about your past employer or company, even if it was a toxic situation. You don't know who knows who in this world, and also you want to keep it positive. Because companies don't want to hire a shit talker. No, I don't want that in my life either. Number four, ask questions that show you've invested in the role and that you really want to know more about the company you might be working for. And number five, be as human as possible. An interview is about connection over everything. You want to show them that you're talented and skilled, but you also want to show them that you're an organic fit for the team. Okay, Raj, talk to me. Have you been interviewing wrong? You know I have. (laughs) I mean, the minute Dr. Orbe Austin said that I should be prepping for a few days before, I was like, oh God, I could be so much better at interviews if I just spent a little more time plotting my brilliant responses. I I like that too, especially because you do sort of know the terrain. Like we do know what we're going to be asked vaguely. So why not spend a couple days really nailing the answer to tell me a little bit about yourself or what is your greatest weakness? Absolutely. It would be just on 10. We would be amazing. And you know what? We deserve our dream jobs. We are not imposters. We are out here working really hard. So I'm going to use all this advice. Me too. Until next time. As long as there are things to get wrong, we'll be here to help you do them better. Sure will. See you next time. Do you have something you think that you might be doing wrong? Email us at amidoingitwrong at huffpost.com and let us know. 